Today I want to start a new series entitled, uh, Here Comes Trouble. It's taken from the Old Testament uh, portion of Scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 19. And for the next several weeks, we'll be looking at this Old Testament story about a king named Jehoshaphat. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Welcome to our broadcast. We're in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. As Steve mentioned a moment ago, we're beginning a brand new series called Here Comes Trouble. And as we'll see today, if you're about seeking God, it'll involve a transparency, a giving of yourself, and it also involves listening, listening for God, and making decisions to trust God. A lot of ground to cover, so let's get right to it. Here's Pastor Steve with today's broadcast. Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah back when Judah and Israel were divided kingdoms. Uh, This was around 900 BC, and the Bible says that Jehoshaphat was a good king. He wasn't perfect by any means, and he made some mistakes. Uh, He needed to be corrected a time or two, but he, in general, was a pretty good king, a good leader, and we'll see this in the story. Uh, The reason why this story is so interesting is because Jehoshaphat found himself in the same kind of situation that so many of us find ourselves from time to time. And the story really shows us how Jehoshaphat was able to get out of it. Uh, If you ever had problems, which who hasn't, I think you'll like this series of messages. So what was Jehoshaphat's situation? Well, let's take a look at his story. Uh, First of all, I want to look at the dilemma. Uh, You know, in the events leading up to today's story, we see that Jehoshaphat had been effective in his role as king. He had been successful on the battlefield. He had even developed uh, something similar to a system of public education for the people in which he set up learning centers in the towns and the villages of Judah in order to teach the law of God. He even established fortified cities in which to store food and supplies in the event of a drought or even a national emergency. He set up a network of judges across the country to hear the cases of the people so that justice could be served in each community. We see that Jehoshaphat was an honest man and even had good motives, making a sincere effort to do his job well. And the Bible says there in verse 1, after this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the uh, Menunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamar. Do you know what they were saying? They were saying... Sorry, king, but here comes trouble. See, it's bad enough when you go to war against one enemy. But Jehoshaphat had three coming at him all at the same time. They had formed this alliance with the sole purpose of conquering his kingdom, enslaving his people, and taking control of his land. Three enemies. Together, they made a vast army. A real tough situation for him. Some might even say undefeatable. Well, I want to ask you today, have this ever happened to you? Have you ever felt like you're just trying to do your job to the best of your ability? And it seems like all your enemies 
and every negative thing in the world are working together to come against you, to even destroy you. Maybe it's financial problems or health problems or career problems or even relationship problems. And it seems like they all at once form an alliance to attack you all at once. And together, they're well, just too big for you to handle on your own. Has this ever happened to you? Maybe it's happening to you right now. If so, your immediate response might be just like Jehoshaphat's. The Bible says that he was terrified. He was scared stiff. He knew he was in way over his head. His exact words were in verse 12, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us, and we do not know what to do. I mean, can you relate to that? Have you ever felt that way in your own personal life? This too is way too much for me. I don't have the ability, nor the resources, nor the power, or even the wisdom to solve this problem. I'm powerless and I don't know what to do. That's a tough situation to be in. Well, that's where Jehoshaphat was as he faced this attack from these multiple enemies. But in this story, he learned something about how to experience the power of God. See, if you're facing attacks from all sides, then just like King Jehoshaphat, you're a perfect candidate to experience the fullness of God's power in your life. You're in the perfect place to witness his miraculous deliverance. Paul said these Old Testament stories were written in order to give us examples to follow. If you're to follow Jehoshaphat's example, you will receive the same blessings that he ultimately received. Today, as you look over the horizon of your life, if the first three words that come to mind are, here comes trouble, if it seems like all your problems are attacking you from every side, this series of messages will be for you. Not only will the lessons we learn from Jehoshaphat give you hope and then help you make this transition from being a victim to being a victor. In today's message, we're going to focus on the first thing that we need to do when trouble strikes. When trouble comes our way, you need to get serious, first of all, about seeking God. About seeking God. There was a former baseball great, Satchel Paige, and he once said this, Don't pray when it rains if you don't pray when the sun shines. Now that may sound like wise advice, but to be honest, I think it's terrible advice. We all know that it's a mistake if you don't pray when the sun is shining. But it makes absolutely no sense at all to compound the mistake by refusing to pray when the rain starts pouring down. That's when you need to pray more than ever. As we'll see today in this message, we're not talking about making a half-hearted stab at saying, God, get me out of this mess so that I can get on with my life. We're not talking about seeking God. We're talking about saying, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Reveal your will to me. Tell me what to do. Show me what I need to change in this situation. Lead me to where I need to go. This is what we see in King Jehoshaphat. As I mentioned, when Jehoshaphat heard that three armies had united to attack Judah, his immediate reaction was to be terrified. But he knew what to do next. In verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news 
And then look at what it says. He begged the Lord for guidance. You see that? He begged the Lord for guidance. One version says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. See, Jehoshaphat then prayed what you could call a prayer of despair. That's where seeking God usually starts with most people. It usually begins from a place of tremendous need in your life or a place of hurt or a place of fear. People who have a dynamic walk with Christ will tell you this, that it was the lack in their life or the pain in their life that caused them to pursue a deeper spiritual experience that ultimately led to an encounter with the power of God. That's because we're confronted with pain. And when we are confronted with pain, we're more likely to cast off our religious facade and and really get transparent with our Lord. And that's the first step in seeking God. Seeking God involves transparency. Transparency means that we do away with the King James sounding prayers and we stop reminding God of how lucky he is to have us on his team. We quit, we quit trying to impress everyone with our religious deeds and we get real honest and we say, you know what, God, I am helpless and I need you. The good news is, is that you can pray this prayer of despair anytime you need to. You can be completely honest with God, always. You don't have to play games. You don't have to pretend that everything is okay when really nothing is okay. You can say like Jehoshaphat, God, I'm afraid. This is too big for me to handle on my own. I don't know what to do about it, but I know that you know what to do. You can tell God everything that you're going through. The important thing is, In this process is that you're spending time in his presence. And the more time you spend in the presence of God, the closer you will get to his power. Well, Jehoshaphat said during his prayer of despair in verse 9, Whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us. And you will hear us and rescue us. See, seeking God begins with spending time in his presence, standing before him, pouring out your heart openly and honestly. So if the phrase, here comes trouble, describes your life, well, take a cue from Jehoshaphat. You begin by being transparent before God. The second thing I want you to see is this. Secondly, Seeking God involves not only transparency, but seeking God involves giving of yourself. It involves some level of personal sacrifice. In a business setting, you might call it a demonstration of good faith. It's our way of saying, God, we are serious about this. We will do our part, small as it may be, so that you can do your part, which is greater than we can ask or even imagine. See, when King Jehoshaphat began to seek the Lord, he also invited the entire nation to seek God with him. The Bible says in verses 3 and 4 there that he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Let me tell you something. There's no better way for us 
to show God that we mean business than maybe to skip a meal and spend that time in prayer. I don't know about you, but when I go without eating, I'm pretty sure that someone's taking note in heaven. I imagine everyone up there is saying to one another, well, this, this, this is a serious time because he's actually skipping a meal to spend time making this request. You know, there's something about fasting that pleases God. There's something about fasting that gets his attention and causes God to move in our direction. If you want to get serious about seeking God, well then give serious thought and consideration to the idea of fasting. And there's a number of ways that you can go about it. You can refrain from all food for a certain number of days or hours. You can avoid certain types of food. Uh, You can fast from other things such as uh, media and television and the internet. In doing so, what you're saying is, God, I'm moving this out of my life right now so that I can create more room in my life for you and for spending time with you concerning this issue. I remember reading this story right after the attacks of 9-11. A school teacher named Gary Weddle said he would fast from shaving until Osama bin Laden was captured. And you know what? He wasn't joking. He went 10 years without a razor touching his face. His beard grew down to his waist. I don't know if his decision to abstain from shaving had any spiritual motivations, but I do know that he was serious about his commitment. Can you imagine if we brought the same level of commitment in our efforts to seek God? I'm not suggesting you grow a beard, but just imagine what could happen if you said, God, I need you so much in my life at this time that I'm willing to sacrifice comfort or convenience or even necessity in order to experience your power in my life. See, seeking God involves giving of yourself. It requires sacrifice. It's not that you're earning God's favor. Don't think of it that way. It's that you're demonstrating to him and to yourself even and to all involved that you really mean business. Well, here's a third thing. Seeking God also involves listening. In this story, we see that after the people of Judah poured out their hearts in God's presence, after they called on him for help and came before him in prayer and even fasting, God began to speak to them. How did he do it? Well, the Bible says in verse 13, 14, and 15, it says, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and children, The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mathaniah, a Levite, who was a descendant of Asaph. And here's what he said. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. See, beloved, here's something that you can count on. After a season of seeking God, there will come a time when you'll hear, Thus saith the Lord unto you. Maybe it will come from the words of the Bible. Maybe it will come from the words of a sermon. Maybe it will come from the words of a trusted friend or a counselor or advisor. Maybe it will come from the inner witness in your own spirit. But there will come a time when you know that you know that God is speaking to your heart, 
and you will know that you know, thus saith the Lord unto you. That is, by the way, if you're listening. Do you want to know the truth? See, if you're listening, God can speak to you through all kinds of situations. I can listen to preachers with whom I don't even agree theologically sometimes. But without fail, in their message somewhere along the line, I'll hear something that I know was meant for me. Something that I need to act on. Something I need to know. Something I need to even change. It also happens every time I open the Word of God. People often say, I try reading the Bible, but I just don't get anything out of it. I'm sorry, but I don't understand that. God speaks to me about something every time I open its pages. Do you know why that is? It's not because I'm super intelligent or super spiritual, because I'm neither of those, clearly. But it's because over the years I've learned to pay attention. I've learned to listen for God's voice. When I read scripture, I read with the question, God, what are you saying to me through this text? And he always generally has something to say. See, seeking God involves listening. It involves being attentive to his voice. He is not hiding from you, and he does not remain silent. He will speak if you listen. Jesus often said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking about being spiritually attentive to the voice of God. See, if you're seeking God, make sure you're listening carefully enough to hear, thus saith the Lord unto you. Well, here's the fourth thing I want you to see in this text. Seeking God involves making a decision to trust. Seeking God involves making a decision to trust. When God began speaking to his people through the prophet, what did he say to them? Well, let's look at it in verse 15. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God. Well, what's he saying at the top of the list? He's saying, first of all, trust me. This isn't your battle, it's mine. So don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. And then he says, you know what? Tomorrow, I want you to go and face this enemy. I want you to go and face this army. You'll meet them in the desert, but you won't have to fight them. Just stand firm, hold your position, and you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. And then he tells them again in these exact words in verse 17, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. You know, I remember when the show 24 was on TV. If you've ever watched it, you know that Jack Bauer is always asking people to go out on a limb and help him accomplish some impossible task. And you've heard him say again and again, I can't go into the details right now. I just need you to trust me on this and do what I ask you to do. It seems like he says this two or three times in every episode. And on the strength of those words, his co-workers and his colleagues throw caution to the wind and they do what he asks them to do. Why is that? Because they trust Jack Bauer. You know what? There's a comparison here to our spiritual lives. There are times when we don't have all the details. We don't know exactly how God is going to work through our situation. And truthfully, we don't need to know. We just need to trust him and do what he says. When you're seeking God, there comes a time when you draw your line in the sand and you say this, I may not know what God is up to, but I'm going to choose to trust him anyway. I refuse to give in to doubt or to fear or despair or discouragement. 
I'm going to trust him enough to do what he asked me to do. Most of you probably remember the old hymn, Trust and Obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. See, there's an unbreakable connection between trust and obedience. If you're struggling with obedience, it might be because you haven't yet settled the trust question. Seeking God involves a conscious choice to trust him. There's one more aspect here to seeking God that I want you to see today. Fifthly, seeking God involves a commitment to praise and worship. Seeking God involves a commitment to praise and worship. Look at what it says in verse 18 of our text. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites, verse 19, from the clans of Kohath and Korah, stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. I really love the image of these two verses. The people fell to their faces in worship, and then they stood to their feet in praise. See, this is how you seek God. Here's what I want you to consider. If the only time that you engage in praise and worship is on Sunday morning when the worship team is playing and the words are on the screen or you're singing out of a hymnal, you know what? You're not doing it enough. Praise and worship needs to be part of our daily lives, a part of even your private life. If you want to get serious about seeking God, make it a point to spend time alone each day, bowing before him in worship and then standing before him in praise. Well, as we're going to see in the coming weeks, God came through for King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. He saved them from their enemies and he blessed their nation. It happened because King Jehoshaphat took the right steps when trouble appeared on the horizon. He set himself, first of all, to seek God. He prayed, he fast, fasted, he listened, he trusted, he worshiped. See, if you could summarize these five words in one word, I guess it would be the word surrender. King Jehoshaphat surrendered himself to God so he wouldn't have to surrender his nation to the enemy. And you know what? It will work the same for you. Surrender yourself to God so that you don't have to surrender your family to the enemy. Surrender yourself to God so you don't have to surrender your finances to the enemy. Surrender yourself to God so that you don't have to surrender your future to the enemy. Because you know what? God is ready to lead you into victory if you'll take the first step of seeking Him with your whole heart. Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. 650-366-9923, or visit our website, gracefultruth.org. And now, to close out our time together with a look at our fall schedule, once again, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Thanks, Andy. I want to share some exciting information with our listening audience concerning our fall schedule here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. First up, we'll be having our fall Israel and Bible Prophecy Conference featuring Bible teacher Dr. David Hawking on November 18th, 19th, and 20th. 
It will all kick off on Friday, November 18th at 7 p.m. with concert pianist David Talbot leading us in some wonderful hymns here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. The conference is free, so we hope to see you here the weekend right before Thanksgiving. Second on our fall schedule will be a real blessing to our ladies here in the Bay Area. Ladies, we have a real Christmas treat for you coming up on Saturday, December 3rd here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. We will be hosting a woman's Christmas tea with speaker and author Elise Fitzpatrick. Elise will be teaching from her book, Because He Loves Me, How Christ Transforms Our Daily Life. The tea will be held on Saturday, December 3rd, with seating for the tea beginning at 11 a.m. Our program will begin promptly at 11.30 and will conclude at 2.30 p.m. here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. Cost of registration will be $20, and registration will be required in advance. Why not plan on being here Saturday, December 3rd, from 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. for a wonderful time of fellowship, worship, and teaching from Elise Fitzpatrick. All the registration information can be found on our church website at gracebibleonline.org. Once again, that's gracebibleonline.org. There will be a registration form available online. You simply download it, fill it out, mail it in with your registration to the address given, or you can simply call us here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, 650-366-9923. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening to Graceful Truth each weekend, and it'd be a wonderful encouragement to us to hear from you about how this program has been a blessing to your hearts. Thank you, Steve. And again, friend, we'd love to hear from you. So call us today, 650-366-9923, or write to us, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, 94061 is our zip code. Until next time, God bless. God bless.